Hey there. If you're yearning for more order, joy, and precious moments of peace, and you want to be fully present with your little ones, I've got something special just for you. It's a free time audit tool that can be your first step towards reclaiming your time and finding that balance. Doing a time audit is key to unlocking a life filled with precious moments to be cherished. By using this tool, you will be able to reclaim control. You will gain a sense of control over your daily routines, allowing you to focus on what truly matters, like spending quality time with your children. You will rediscover joy. The time audit tool will help you identify time-wasting habits and replace them with activities that bring you joy and fulfillment. You'll also unearth peace. By managing your time more efficiently, you will experience a newfound sense of peace, reducing stress and chaos in your daily lives. You will also be more present with the ability to allocate your time mindfully. You'll be more fully present with your children, creating lasting memories during this precious phase of your kids' lives. In short, this time audit is the first step towards a life where you are in control, filled with joy, and able to savor the fleeting moments with your little ones. Don't miss out on this opportunity to transform your daily life into one that's truly meaningful and fulfilling. Grab your free time audit now and make the change you've been yearning for. Simply click on the link to the show notes where you are listening to this podcast or head over to tanyavalentinecoaching.com. That's T-A-N-Y-A-V-A-L-E-N-T-I-N-E coaching.com to access your free time audit today. Hey friend, my name is Tanya Valentine and I'm a mom of three registered nurse turned certified life coach and entrepreneur. And I'm so excited to welcome you to the Momentum Podcast, a weekly podcast where we bypass the small talk and get right into the real struggles moms face every day. From bedtime battles to feeling like no matter what we do, it's never enough. Think of this as your mom support group in the form of a podcast. Each week, we introduce new ways of thinking and actionable tools you can implement to bring more ease, peace, and joy in your home. Go from treading water to finding your flow in motherhood. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Momentum Podcast, the show dedicated to inspiring, uplifting, and empowering women on their journey through motherhood. My name is Tanya Valentine, and I'm so excited and grateful that you decided to join us today. If any of you listening has ever experienced or is currently battling infertility, or if you have recently received a prenatal diagnosis, that you've been concerned about, then this episode is especially for you. 
But also, I honestly think that anyone will find value in this episode because the theme is how to cope when life throws you a curveball. We all face hard times in this journey of life. And as we learned in episode number 17, our destiny is determined by how we respond. And let's face it, life is hard. Many of us have this idea in our head about what our life is supposed to look like. We make all of these plans, right? And then what happens? Life, life happens. Most people do not like when the unexpected happens, and I'm one of them. It creates this feeling of uncertainty, and it can be so discouraging and disappointing and even scary when the unexpected happens. But how do we want to think, feel, and behave when the unexpected happens in a way that would make going through tough times a little easier and create better outcomes? And that's exactly what my guest is here to talk about today. I'm so excited to introduce you all to this very special guest of mine, Christina Cano. Her and I go way back to the ninth grade. That means we have been friends for 24 years. Crazy. Christina is a devoted mother of two girls, Ayla and Ainsley. She is an advocate in the Down syndrome community, a homemaker, entrepreneur with two thriving startup companies, Pet Sitting and Equine Sports Massage. She has 16 years experience in the veterinary field. She also works as a registered veterinary technician and practice manager at a family-owned companion animal practice. She wears lots of hats, but she says her greatest joy and accomplishment is raising her children. Today, Christina takes the mic to unravel her journey of navigating infertility and the prenatal diagnosis she received that completely swept the rug from under her feet. Welcome to the show, Christina. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat with you. I'm so excited to talk to you and for everybody to hear your story. So let's dive in. Yeah. So I have a 10-year-old daughter from a previous marriage, and um, I've always wanted to be a mom. I can honestly say since I was young... Um, I babysat as soon as I could get my little babysitter's certificate. I think I was like 12. And then I went on to become CPR certified, um, took babysitting courses, babysat neighborhood for neighborhood families, and just loved kids. And then I went on to become a preschool teacher for a few years before I entered the veterinary field. Um, and I worked with infants and toddlers for a couple of years and I loved it. I love kids and I knew I always wanted to be a mom. So um, fast forward, I had Ainsley back in 2013 and that was an amazing experience. Um, obviously there's challenges with having a baby and um, you know, sleepless nights and trying to figure out breastfeeding and all of those little hurdles. And fast forward to now, my next partner, Isaac, um, who is also my fiance, we've been together for going on seven years now. And a few years to the relationship, we decided we wanted to have a child together. And um, so we started trying and we weren't getting pregnant naturally and started questioning kind of what was going on and decided to dive into why started asking the question why we started seeking help of fertility specialists 
I discovered that I had a large fibroid outside my uterus and ended up going into, this is during COVID going, um, ended up going into major surgery to have that fibroid removed. Um, and that was, we were assuming that was one of the main causes for our fertility struggle and assumed that after having that surgery, we would become pregnant. We were told that we had the green light to start trying again three months after surgery and that our fertility should increase exponentially. And then we still didn't get pregnant. And it had been like a year of trying on and off. So we sought more help and discovered we had other fertility issues, um, some male factor fertility. And we went to one of the top specialists in San Diego. And he told us that we had a 1% chance of conceiving naturally and that our best option would be to do IVF, which we weren't opposed to. Uh, At the time, we closing on our home. We had built a home together and... It wasn't the best time to take on that financial burden. IVF's really expensive and yeah. uh, and um, couldn't justify that cost. And our health insurance didn't cover any IVF treatment. So we kind of pushed pause. Um, periodically, we would kind of track my cycle and try and remain hopeful. Um, it was hard. I mean, we cried together. We prayed together. And... I ended up developing a lot of animosity internally towards pregnant women. I was happy for them, but I would see pregnant women at the gym or shopping or at the grocery store. And I was really envious that why can't I be pregnant? Why, why can't that be me? Um, And I really had to change my mindset. I sought help from a therapist who ended up seeing me and Isaac separately, but also together, which is really unique I don't think that works for every situation, but for us, it's been amazing. She remains really neutral and she knows both kind of sides of the story and we come together. So once a month we each meet with her and then we meet together um, for a session and it's been game changing for our relationship, finding someone that you connect with. I went through about three therapists who were okay uh, before I found my current therapist, our current therapist. And I mean, I just so awesome. You found somebody you could click with. Yeah. Yeah. Highly, highly recommend. Don't give, don't give up. Some people will try therapy and they don't connect with the therapist. They're like, this isn't for me. Yeah. I can relate with that. Yeah. Fight to find one that you click with and that's supportive of your goals and in your corner, but will also check you. My therapist is really good. She knows me very well. I've had her for years and she checks me when Mm -hmm. she feels what to be doing things differently, that would be more beneficial to me. Yeah. And have a, um, um, so we ended up, um, so she helped me with um, mindfulness and changing my thought process, stopping myself, recognizing when I was going through down the rabbit hole of negative thinking and encouraged me to be more positive about pregnancy in general and really finding a way to be genuinely happy for those that were pregnant. And so it can be hard though. I mean, I think a lot of women are going to relate to this as can I, because I can remember when I had my two um, miscarriages feeling that exact same way. Like I couldn't be around pregnant women. Right. And you, yeah, you know, you're like, 
it's not against them. Like no, it, not at all. No, it's uh, something. It feels so innate. Yeah, I end, I ended up. It was kind of crazy. We had this joke going through the vet hospital that I work at that like don't drink the water because we just had <laughs> pregnancy after pregnancy, which was amazing. Um, I think we had six women that were pregnant within a year and a half. And at the the last pregnancy um, changed my whole thought process. Oh yeah. And, talk about that. Yeah. So Isaac and I had gone away on like a spa we typically go to the spa once a year for my birthday and he treated me to a, a spa day and I was due for my period and I was like oh rats like I'm gonna get my period during our spa day like what a pain and it didn't come and I have a completely regular cycle and it was a really just relaxing day and we ended up getting engaged he surprised me and we ended up getting engaged that day at the spa and then days later, I went into work and one of my coworkers pulled me into the office and said, I, I need to talk to you. I need to tell you something and nobody else knows. And I was like, okay, of course you can tell me. And she shared with me that she was pregnant and she had experienced a miscarriage prior to this pregnancy. And she had shared that with me. And I was genuinely for the first time in a long time, so happy for her. We cried together, we embraced, and I didn't think about myself in that moment at all. I just felt really supportive of her and so thrilled that she was getting to have this this experience. And then two days later, I woke up to get ready for work and I realized my period still hadn't come. So I'm like, I need to take a test. Like it's going to be negative like all the other tests that I've taken but I'm just going to take one just because Isaac was home he was getting ready for work as well and I took I took a cheap test because I didn't want to spend the I didn't want to waste <laughs> the expensive test I was like it's negative so I'm just going to take one of those like cheap you know strip tests mm. the paper and um within like a minute it had a faint positive and I was like what so then I buy more tests <laughs> oh my gosh as it was <laughs> had to and, make sure it was legit yeah they were all positive and Isaac and I just started crying and I was thanking God I got down on my knees and we just couldn't believe it we were so happy um, and those first couple of weeks of that pregnancy were some of the best weeks of my life I was we were just over the moon we were so happy that we were given this opportunity. We were the one and we were able to conceive naturally. Um, yeah. You guys didn't even follow through with the IVF. No, Isaac did a bunch of research. He's very into nutritional things. See, he's, oh, yeah. He did a ton of uh, supplements and kind of some alternative thing, like alternative therapies supplementation wise. So that probably helped too, but still don't know really. Um, right. Yeah. So when you are, I think for most pregnancies now, I didn't have any genetic testing with Ainsley. Like that was 10 years ago. So it wasn't really, it wasn't pushed on me at that time. I think it was offered, but I don't remember it being really like they didn't push it. Yeah. Um, so, when you were young. 
I was young. I was 20. Yeah. I was 37 when I, for this, this time around. So they didn't really give me the option. They basically said like, you need to do the genetic testing. Mm, it's just, yeah, you're a high risk, high risk. So I did the testing and I remember asking the, the nurse, cause they do like a little bit of counseling with the test and to just explain, I met with a nurse practitioner and she just explained what the tests would be for. And I asked, so if anything comes back abnormal, what's the next step? And she said that my doctor would be calling me and we would discuss a plan. So that made me feel good because I trusted my doctor. He was the doctor that had performed my surgery and I knew that we could talk through it and figure out what to do if something came back abnormal. Um, So Isaac and I went away on a trip. We went to Zion National Park. It was on our bucket list. We like to hike and we knew that with having a baby, it would probably be a little while before we'd have another adventure like that. So we took a trip um, and we were told that by that Monday, if we didn't hear anything from the office, no news, no news was good news. And to just carry on with the pregnancy. And so we didn't hear anything Monday. And I remember distinctly at 5 p.m. on Monday, like turning to Isaac and being like, they didn't call us. That's great. That means our test was negative. We fist bumped in the car. Like we were really excited. And I wake up the next day. It was a Tuesday. And I go into the office to work. And I, my phone starts ringing. It was early. It was like nine in the morning. My phone starts ringing. And I realize that it's my OBGYN office. And my heart dropped. I knew that something was wrong. And I answered the call. I sat, I sat down at my desk. I answered the call. And it was a medical assistant that I had never interacted with. And she said, your test results were positive for trisomy 21. And the way that she told me was so abrupt and so harsh and I didn't even know what trisomy 21 was. I blacked out. It was like the floor dropped from underneath me. Felt like I was drowning. And I started writing down trisomy 21. I asked her, you know, can I talk to my doctor? I was told I couldn't. He wasn't in the office. And I asked her what the percentage was that it was true, that it was true trisomy 21. And she said, it's a 99% chance. And I said, how do you know that? And she said, I looked on the back of the pamphlet (laughs) and I said, well, what's my next, what do I do now? And she said, well, you need to go to genetic counseling. Here's the phone number. And I was like, Mm -hmm. okay. So I went into the doctor I work with. I'm really close with. I went into her office. I must've looked like I had seen a ghost. I mean, I was, I'm sure all the blood had drained out of my face and she knew she's like, what is wrong? So we sat together and we started Dr. Google, because <laughs> she wasn't mm-hmm. sure either what trisomy 21 was. And we were looking up, you know, the statistics of how accurate the test is. And it's it's not always the most accurate. It has a high accuracy mm-hmm. rate, but there are false positives. Mm-hmm. So then I really had to pick myself up and start advocating for myself. And I called into counseling. They weren't going to get me in for a week. And I felt like that was unacceptable. So I demanded to be seen sooner. They were able to get me in actually the next day. And wow. I, 
I know. I happened to be home that day. They did a meeting over Zoom, which was fine. Isaac was able to come home from work and use his lunch break to meet with their genetic counselor. And I mean, I had just been crying for like 24 hours straight. Yeah. Um, and I sat, we sat together and talked with her and she, she was the first person that actually helped me see light in the situation and hope. And she was very neutral. It's her job to lay out all your options and be supportive of whatever decision that you make. And there's no right decision. There's no right answer. Mm -hmm. Every situation is uniquely different. And she also explained that um, having a a child with downstream can be beautiful and the family's lives can be really fulfilled and joyful and helped get us connected with some networks in the area and some families and just encouraged us to reach out and kind of go to the source and talk to people that have had that experience firsthand. So I left feeling more, much more optimistic from that meeting. Our next step was to decide whether we wanted to do an amniocentesis or not. And there was a risk to that. Um, there was a risk that we could miscarry from that procedure. So we decided not to proceed with that. We decided to continue a few more tests. So we had um, an echocardiogram in utero. Normally they do those around 15 weeks, but at 13 weeks, the heart is fully formed. So we were able to do that at 13 weeks. And we went to one of the best teaching hospitals in San Diego and they knew our plan. So again, unique decision-making experience, but Isaac and I were both united on our decision to continue the pregnancy so long as the baby would not have catastrophic health issues and poor quality of life. So for me, like the thought of terminating a pregnancy would be devastating after I have wanted a second child for so long. And I fully support the decision to choose. And I know every family has to make that decision for themselves. And it's a unique um, experience for everybody. But for us, that was like a living nightmare for me. And I like had to mentally walk through what that process would look like. And I had to sit with those feelings. Like I had to really feel what that felt like. And for me, that was my process. Um, I had to go through a grieving process. Mm -hmm. I had to grieve the loss of what I had imagined this pregnancy would be. And that was my way of opening my heart to a new experience. So we had that echo and the gen- the um, cardiologist knew our plan and it was about 45 minutes. And of course it's a teaching hospital. So there's like five other doctors in the room <laughs> and they're talking, you know, Dr. Lingo and you're seeing, they have this, the heart, the baby's heart up on this huge screen and they, you know, they're walking through each little millimeter of that heart and there's like Christmas music playing in the it was such a surreal experience and after the procedure she sat across from me and she said I understand that your plan is to terminate if there's 
any major heart defects or catastrophic issues with this baby. And I want you to know I fully support whatever decision you make. Mm-hmm. And she said, I want to let you know that this baby has no major heart defects. And to oh. this day, like, I can't, I can't say that without tearing up because for, for me, it was a feeling like I had won the lottery. Yeah. Um, she had a moderate VSD, which is a hole between the chambers and the heart. Um, but the likelihood of it closing in utero was high. And if it didn't close in utero, they can do an outpatient catheter procedure. That's not major open heart surgery. We have little friends that their babies have had open heart surgery. And as you can imagine that as a mom, like having to put your baby through that at six months old is hard, really hard. Mm -hmm. They've done amazing, I have to say, but that was something that was really scary to me. Um, So she had a small VSD and then we had, I don't even know, maybe like six different ultrasounds, maybe more, but at the 20 week scan, the VSD had closed. Amazing. I know second miracle. And then when she was born, they did another echo after birth and it had remained closed. So she was born without any physical challenges at all. Um, which what a blessing, what a blessing. And I never could have foreseen that obviously, but once we had, decided to continue the pregnancy and found out that um, she didn't have any major health issues, then I was able to, I don't want to say enjoy the pregnancy because I still was fearful, but I was able to start having more of a positive mindset. Isaac Mm. didn't eat with it. And I was really frustrated with him in the beginning. And I think for anybody going through this, I think recognizing that you need to just allow your partner to have their own feelings and not try to control how they feel. Yeah. That was a huge lesson for me. I wanted him to feel my pain and I wanted him to feel my fear and he like refused to. But now that I reflect on that, like he he was our anchor, like he was the same was the safe space and he was he carried me through um I think if we had both gotten into like the depths of despair like I think it would have been a lot harder to go through that process yeah but I was angry with him I was like because he was positive he's like this baby's gonna be amazing he's gonna be amazing and I was and I didn't I it's not that I didn't believe that But I just, I had done a bunch of research and I knew how things could go. You know, he chose not to. So so she ended up being born at 37 and a half weeks. I had to have a planned C-section because of my previous fibroid surgery. And we had an amazing, I switched doctors, by the way. We had an amazing maternal fetal medicine doctor and things started really lining up during the end of the pregnancy. So I became friends with someone that has a three-year-old with Down syndrome and met her a few times during the pregnancy and found out that we had the same OBGYN that delivered her son. And she also has the same pediatrician that I had for my previous daughter. And, um, 
so she had an amazing experience with her as a pediatrician. So we just kind of had those commonalities, which was kind of fun. And so Ayla was born um, at that teaching hospital and everything went great. She, I was able to meet with the neonatologist over Zoom. So funny because everything's over Zoom these days before she was born and just talked me through what it would look like if she needed to have a NICU stay. I hadn't had a NICU stay with Ainsley. So it was nice to be able to ask questions and kind of just plan for that. Um, I was able to express my wishes. So I definitely wanted to breastfeed. I definitely wanted to do skin to skin. I wanted to avoid a NICU stay unless, of course, medically necessary. And so they were able to make all of those notes in my chart. Everybody was super on board with my plans and supportive. And when, when Ayla was born, she needed a brief NICU stay. The NICU team was in the OR and they evaluated her and she had a little bit of low oxygen, but that can just be from having a C-section. You don't get the push that you get from a vaginal delivery. And she had a little bit of low glucose, um, but otherwise was doing great. So they asked my permission to take her to the NICU, which was really nice. It wasn't like they just took the baby away. They came over bedside and said, this is what's going on. We would like to just evaluate her and Nick, you, are you okay with this plan? And so yeah. that was really mm-hmm. important to be able to make that decision for my baby. So Isaac went with the baby to the NICU and I went into recovery and that was hard because there's these other moms in recovery and you can hear them with their babies and I'm alone, you know, without my baby. Um, and I'm super, I'm a super goal oriented person. So I was on a mission to start pumping. <laughs> so I'm like, give me the pump. <laughs> I'm going to make milk. Cause I felt like that was like the one thing that I could do. So oh, I remember you texting me and like being so proud of how many ounces you had. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh my oh, gosh. Shocked. Cause I'm like pumping. I got like 30 mLs like the first time I pumped out of the OR with oh, an hour but that's a, but that's a lot like after you just have gave birth and especially yeah. having a c-section too so another tip and obviously i'm not a medical professional you need to talk to your doctor but i hand expressed like in the bathtub a few days leading up to the c-section to get my milk to come in um oh. which is my OBGYN was comfortable with me doing so sometimes yeah, with this- that can that can put you into labor yeah but I was far, far enough along that if that it need- was okay okay yeah um so yeah typically with a c-section your milk doesn't always come in right away it's a little delayed but my milk came in and I was able to send the milk up to the NICU for her and they bottle fed her with my milk um brought her glucose up right away and so they just monitored her oxygen. Her oxygen also came up, but they just monitored her oxygen. I think it was about, I want to say 24 hours or maybe closer to 30, but we were downstairs and she was upstairs and we were able to go see her. They wheeled me in um, during recovery to visit with her. And yeah, she was just on like flow by oxygen. And then she was able to be reunited with us. And then we left the hospital after four days. And we were so fortunate during the hospital stay, because it's a teaching hospital, we had um, an occupational therapist that came to visit us and a doctor from the 
the pediatrics team and everybody wanted to see her and evaluate her. Mm-hmm. She So with Down syndrome, there's a lot of features that they can have. I did, wasn't aware of this, but different features and she didn't really have any of those features. Um, so the assumption is that she's mosaic, which is something that I've had to learn about. Um, it's a form of Down syndrome where some of their cells have an extra chromosome and some of their cells do not. And the only way to really get a, a true diagnosis for this is to like biopsy different because there's cells everywhere in our body. Mm-hmm. So to biopsy parts of the body um, to get a definitive diagnosis. So we're not, we're not going to do that. We, yeah. it doesn't really us, but basically with mosaism, sometimes they'll have less physical features and then they'll have sometimes less like health challenges and sometimes um, less kind of cognitive delays. So, okay. yeah, so she's doing amazing. She has OT once a week and PT once a week, and they come in home and work with her. And we plan to do anything that she needs to help her reach her goals. You know, Isaac said something to me in the pregnancy that has kind of stuck with me and I just am so grateful for him and his outlook, but I was kind of asking him like, you know, what if she's struggling with this or that? And I'm a what if person. I wish I wasn't that way. And I try to be mindful of that, but I just have always been that way. And he said, well, look at it this way. It, if she's in a race, I don't care if she's dead last, I'm going to be cheering for her. Like she's first place. And that resonated with me and it doesn't really matter like no, I feel it, it I, doesn't no and I feel like today in the society we place such an emphasis on these high achieving goals mm-hmm. when well, really we need to celebrate the little things yeah and also like I I've heard this said too and it resonates with me is that life is a marathon and yeah <laughs> only one person can come in first place. And the goal isn't to come in first place if you're running a marathon, really. Like the goal is just to finish. So just go at your own pace. Everybody just go at your own pace. Right, Um, right. You know what, real quick too, I just want to quickly talk about, um, can you talk about that doctor too? Because you had mentioned there was like a doctor that you saw, I think when oh, yeah. you did the, the nuchal testing, oh, that yes. I was like devastated at what he said to you, but oh, I was yeah. also so proud of you, how you were just so persistent uh, and you just did not want, you didn't refused to yeah. believe in what he said. So can you just share that real quick and then we'll wrap up? Yeah. So one of the lowest points in the pregnancy was we had a nuchal translucency test at 13 weeks, which measures the back of the neck. One of the markers for Down syndrome is a thickened nuchal and it's only evaluated at 13 weeks and hers was slightly thickened. Um, And when we met with the doctor afterwards in his office, he was extremely negative. He told us, I believe that your baby has Down syndrome and I believe your baby will have low quality of life and only be able to perform simple tasks. Hmm. And I was crying and emotional and sad, obviously. 
But I remember feeling this fire inside and feeling like, how dare you limit my child? You don't know my child. You haven't met my child. How dare you put limitations on my unborn baby? And uh, Isaac and I both left that meeting. Like, we're never going to see that doctor again. And I called the next day and I said, make sure that he's off the list. We're never, ever going to see that doctor again. Um, I would love now to like march in there and like hand him right. left and be like, tell me this baby has low quality of life. Like, be smart right. for the other baby I've ever met. She's the right. cutest thing ever. I know. Aww. So, I mean, you know, this is a medical professional that has 30 years of experience mm-hmm. in maternal fetal medicine. Yeah. And, you know, so that really prompted me to go to the source, like, go talk to the moms. Yeah. Go talk to them about what their experience was like. They're the ones living it. He probably doesn't even know anybody with Down syndrome. He hasn't, yeah. he hasn't been given that gift. Right. And he's ignorant. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is too. And that, even that, Christina, that, that mindset shift right there, it's a gift. Yes. Like looking at Down syndrome as a gift. Yes, absolutely. And it's honestly been an opportunity for my entire family, including my daughter, to be more empathetic and more patient and more more inclusive. Inclusive. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. Um, If I can give any advice to other moms with a prenatal diagnosis, not just Down syndrome, I know there's other diagnoses, is Mm -hmm. um, feel your feelings, allow yourself to grieve. But also, if you can, try to maintain whatever normalcy you can. Like, if you're able to continue going to work, I consider taking, like, a, a mental health medical leave, which I could have done. But I wanted to definitely grieve and feel my feelings and had therapy and sought support. But I also wanted to continue doing the things that were that made me feel good and made me feel important and get up every day and take care of my family. And so, you know, you do what you have to do, but feel your feelings. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to be sad. It's normal. And another thing that really helped me was seeking out, like we've talked about other families, other moms. I had phone calls with moms with children with Down syndrome, all different stages of their journey from birth to adulthood. And it was all so positive, honestly. I was able to ask really honest questions like, aren't you worried about your child living with you forever? Mm-hmm. You know, I had a moment. Yeah. I had a moment where I was driving. I love one day. that honesty. I love honesty. that honesty, though. Honesty. I was driving one day and I was thinking about the fact that this baby might, I had this mindset of like, this baby might be stuck with us. Like, we might be stuck with this baby forever, <laughs> this child forever. And mm-hmm. I stopped at a light. I remember this. I stopped at a light and then I thought about Ainsley. And I said to myself, if Ainsley had to live with us forever, like how would I feel about that? And I started like sobbing. I started sobbing. And I was like, shit, Girl, I hope she lives with us forever. No, that's what I say to my kids all the time. I'm like, don't ever leave me. Maybe I'm <laughs> I'm probably like ruining them for saying that, but I'm like, please don't ever leave me. I know. I hope for independence. Like I hope for independence. And I've obviously learned that so many adults with Down syndrome are able to have that independence that, you know, it's, it's up to, you know, Ayla's probably going to be like, see ya, I'm out of here. But like, 
if she wants to live with like she's welcome she's always going to be welcome in our homes yeah so it's just like changing like you just said like that mindset shift like we've developed I've developed all of these it's like these deeply ingrained you got to look at your beliefs like what are your yeah and and question them like why do I believe that where did that even come from and is that really true like yeah exactly and so with with that we're going to wrap up today's show but what I want to just repeat that Christina said is that for anybody going through something similar to what Christina has been through um what has helped her through she said she feels her feelings just allow yourself to grieve and continue normalcy uh, just continue doing things that make you feel good, make you feel like yourself and make sure you're seeking out other moms who have been through it. And Christina is going to share her information today. So if you want to reach out to her, she will be more than happy to help give you any advice or tips or encouragement, I'm sure. Um, and also, I just want to say, you know, she gave us so many inspirational bites of wisdom today. And what I'm taking away from today's episode is that when the unexpected inevitably happens, it's important to one, let go of control and let go of our plans. And it helps to have faith in a higher power and just trust that God has a greater plan for our life. One better than we can ever imagine for ourselves. And it's all a part of a bigger picture one that from our current level of consciousness, we may not be able to fully comprehend and our eyes just cannot perceive it as we're looking at our situation right now. And we just need a different point of view. And also just listen to your intuition and be persistent about pursuing what is right. Letting go doesn't mean sitting back and doing nothing, like laying back and just accepting your fate. No. Rather, you accept what is, what is out of your control, and you change that which is in your control. Meaning if a change needs to happen, or if you need more information, or you don't like the answers you are getting, don't give up. There is more than one solution to a problem. And then be careful who you seek counsel from. Like what if Christina had listened to that one doctor who told her that her daughter would have no quality of life and she should abort the pregnancy? If you could see this beautiful baby she has today who is thriving and what a blessing she has been. And Christina wouldn't be sitting here today sharing with us her story. And who knows how many lives Christina has blessed today by sharing her story. My hope and prayer is that anyone going through a similar situation hears this message today and feels a sense of relief, peace, clarity, empowerment, and a sense of just that everything's going to be okay. Christina, thank you so much for gracing us today with your time and sharing your beautiful story. Can you please share with the audience the name of your businesses and how they might connect with you? Yeah. So Ayla has her own Instagram. Um, You can connect on there. You can message me on there. It's called down for it all with Ayla. Ayla spelt A-Y-L-A. And you can also reach out to me by email, northcountyaw at gmail.com. You can find my website, www.northcountyequinemassage.com. 
And also if I can recommend the lucky few podcast, total game changer for me, it's three moms that each have a child with down syndrome and it's an amazing podcast. And, you know, I told myself this story that I wouldn't have time to listen to podcasts. I found time. I, on my car ride to work, on my car, when I was at the gym, when I was cleaning the house, when I was vacuuming, whatever, just pop, pop that podcast on and, um, super inspirational and uplifting for sure. That's so nice. I'll put this all in the show notes too. Okay. Great. All right. Thank you so much, Christina. And if you're thinking, wait, I need more of Christina, you're in for a treat. Her wisdom is overflowing and we had to spread it across two episodes, right, Christina? Yep. So keep your ears tuned to future episodes until then stay connected and take care. And if you found value in this episode, please consider leaving a rating or review. This helps more people find the show. And if you can think of anyone in your life who would benefit from the content shared in this episode, please be a friend and share it with them. We will be so incredibly grateful. Life coaching is all about empowering yourself, leveling up, and taking decisive action. It's about learning how to live a more conscious, intentional life, one with passion and purpose, being reminded that you are in the driver's seat of this thing called life. Yes, there are things that will happen that are out of your control, but allow me to remind you of the things that are in your control so you can find your way to peace through any storm. Have you ever felt that inner nudge, that restless feeling deep within, like there's more for you out there? I want you to know that it's your soul speaking to you, and I'm here to help you tune in and listen. I believe those whispers are your dreams yearning to come to life. Let's work together to uncover that inner voice, decipher its message, and turn your dreams into reality. Ready to take that first step? Sign up for a free 30-minute coaching call with me. Let's embark on this transformative journey together. Your dreams are waiting, and I'm here to help you bring them to fruition. Click the link below or simply head to tanyavalentinecoaching.com. That's T-A-N-Y-A-V-A-L-E-N-T-I-N-E coaching.com. And click work with me to sign up for your free 30-minute mini session today. 